Good morning, HCC, and happy Mother's Day. I hope for all of you who are mothers that today you will experience an extra measure of God's grace and love poured out in your heart. You know, being a mom is a tough job, the toughest job ever, and yet it is the most rewarding job, and God has blessed us. Those of us who are moms, we are extremely blessed by God. But all of us are blessed to have a mom, right? We've all... um, We're here because we have a mom, so I hope you can take time today to encourage your mom. Um, As I was thinking about what to share this morning, I was directed, I believe, to Romans 8, and I've titled this message, No Matter What. This is a photo from Taiwan that I took, and as you see, Taiwan is so beautiful. I really hope I'm going to go back there someday, and maybe this little ad for Taiwan, this photo, will make you want to come visit me, and we can put you to work there, but notice um, how beautiful it is, and yet the clouds are coming in. It's starting to get stormy, and I was thinking about our lives. We have great lives here in the U.S., and and yet um, it is kind of cloudy, isn't it? There's a storm that has entered our life, uh, something that we didn't prepare for because we didn't know it was coming. And uh, so for, for those of us, especially as I was thinking about this message, I was thinking of young moms especially. Um, I know life has changed dramatically for all of us, but especially if now your husband's working at home and you're trying to work at home and you have children under feet who are supposed to be doing school. Um, I know it might seem like this home that was your haven is now almost a battleground as it's hard to just be around each other every day, all day, and all of you be getting your work done. I know it's just an extremely stressful time for some of you, and my heart really goes out to you. So I felt like God wanted me to encourage especially you young moms, with this verse. It's in Isaiah 66, 13, and it says, As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. That's God's word to you. You know when your children are hurting, how you just want to hug them and love on them, how you want to make things all right for them. And God says, Mom, I know when you're hurting, and you are my child, and I want to comfort you. As a mother comforts her child, so our God comes to us to comfort us. Isn't that a great thing? And as I thought about the word comfort, um, I was thinking, for me, the most comforting passage in the Bible is Romans 8. Romans 8, the whole chapter, is full of rich resources that God has for us. It helps us to see life from his perspective. I love the fact that in this passage, God shows us how he sees us and all that he has for us. I love the fact that in Romans 8, there's not one command. We don't have to sit down and go, okay, now what am I supposed to be doing? But we just need to sit down with this passage and look at God saying to us, look how I see you. Look how I view you. Look what I've given you. You know, this passage talks about the Holy Spirit 19 times. That means if you want to know what it looks like to walk in the Spirit, spend some time in Romans 8. But all this chapter is is just God pouring out to us his riches and helping us to grasp life from his perspective. So the beginning of the chapter starts with no condemnation, never. 
He never looks at us with condemnation. And the last part of the chapter ends with no separation, like nothing we can ever do will ever make him alienate himself from us. And then in the middle, it's just full, full and rich uh, promises of how he wants to help us all the ways he wants to help us, that he sees us, he's adopted us as his children, and now we're heirs with Christ and have everything we need in him, and how he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us. He talks about suffering. He talks about so many um, practical things that we really need right now. Today, because, because of a time limit, uh, we're just going to focus on the first f- verse and the end of the book and in the middle I just have to skip through it but what I really hope is that you'll take some time to dig into Romans 8 sit down with your Bible take a pad of paper and a pencil and write out all that God wants to give you all that he has for you that we see here in Romans 8 so we want to look at how does he see us he starts off by saying there is therefore now Now, today, never will there be any condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, I know that as a woman, I have struggled with self-condemning, negative self-talk often. Um, I was really stuck in that a lot when I was younger, just bombarded with thoughts of, I'll never be able to be like that. I can never measure up to that. I think we're bombarded by our culture of what a woman is supposed to do and be and look like. And when we compare ourselves to some of those pictures that we see, we just might feel like, "Mm, I'm never going to be that. And so there's, um, I feel like a sense of insecurity and, and guilt and condemnation that a lot of women struggle with. And I just want to say to you that um, wherever you are in life, as long as you are in Christ, when God looks at you, he doesn't look at you with feelings of disapproval. He doesn't judge you and say, wow, I can't believe you did that, or I can't believe you said that. He doesn't look at our lives and say, what am I going to have to do to punish you? God is not that type of father. He loves us, and he does not condemn us ever, not now and not tomorrow, because we are in Christ Jesus. And I think it's really important for us to grasp What does he mean by being in Christ Jesus? I know that Jesus is in me. When I became a Christian, I asked Jesus to come into my heart, right? But Paul uses the phrase in Christ or in him over 160 times. Now that tells me this is a pretty significant uh, principle that we need to try to get grasp, get a hold of. What does it mean to be in Christ? Well, there are only two types of people, I believe, in God's eyes. There are the people who are in Adam, and then there are the people who are in Christ. And we were all born in Adam. And in Adam, we have Adam as our representative. It's almost like there are two lines. And we're all born in Adam's line. He's our representative. We're all born in sin. In Adam, we have basically said, we are our own God. And isn't that what the enemy tempted Adam and Eve with? Said, you shall be like God. And so when we're living in Adam, we're kind of our own God. 
we'll make our own choices. We don't need to submit or yield our lives to anyone else. But if we're our own God, we're also going to pay for our own sins. And many times maybe people don't think about the fact that someday we will all stand before God. And either Jesus is going to pay for our sins, or if we've chosen ourselves to be our own God, we will pay for our own sins. And if we're in Adam, we rely on our own goodness. Like, I'm not so bad. I'm not as bad as the guy down the street. Um, So that's if we're in Adam. But in Christ means Jesus is now our representative. He is our God. He is our Lord, which means master. We live our lives for him. We're behind him. We're in his line. And now all of my sins, everything I've ever done wrong in the past, everything I will do and say and think that are not holy today, and everything in the future that any way I will offend God, all of those sins have been placed on Christ. They're no longer mine. And the amazing thing is, Christ's righteousness has been put in my account so that when God looks at me, I'm in line, so to say, behind Jesus. And he sees me as he sees Jesus. So here's a a picture I found online of two lines. And if you'll notice, they're going in different directions. And we can just picture that Jesus is at the head of one of these lines and Adam is at the head of the other line. So which line are you in? Are you in Adam's line? Are you following your own way, your own path, thinking your goodness is good enough? Or have you stepped over into Jesus' line and totally depending on him and his righteousness? See, there are only two paths, only two. And we're either on the path that leads to life, we're following Jesus, we're receiving his life today and forever and eternity, or on the path that leads to destruction. And that's Adam's path, the path that some of us think is our own path. Romans, or 2 Corinthians 5.21 is a great scripture to uh, memorize. And this is where we get the picture of God saying um, this great exchange has been made for us. We were born in Adam, but this is what happened when we gave our lives to Christ. It says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to become sin for us so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. My sin has been put on Christ, and his righteousness has been given to me. When I first became a Christian, it was in high school, and I started hearing words I never heard in my in everyday language, words like transgression or sanctification or justification. They're not words we use every day. Each have such deep theological meaning. But the word justified is so important for us to understand. Romans 3.24 says we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. See, none of us have earned the right to be in Christ, to be in his line, free from the penalty of sin. Uh, We are justified by because of his grace. We didn't work for it. We can't work for it. We don't work for it today. And in the future, we don't have to work for this grace he has given us. It is a gift. 
And justification means it's just as if I've never sinned. When Jesus looks at me, when God looks at me, he sees Jesus and he says, it's just as if I've never sinned. And justification means it's just as if I've always obeyed. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. He never had a bad thought. He never had a rebellious attitude. Uh, And his perfect life has been credited to me so that when God looks at me, it's just as if I've always obeyed. All my sins are put behind his back. And that's the gift of justification that we do not have to work in work for. So does that mean I should never feel guilty? Well, I know I'm not condemned. All these scriptures make it obvious. God doesn't look at me with a condemning thought. But does that mean I should never feel guilty? You know, that God has given us his Holy Spirit when we chose to be in Christ, to get in line behind him, right? Then he gave us his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That means, yes, there's a time for real guilt. That means there's a time when we are very aware that we have offended God, maybe by something we've done, something we've said, or even just a thought that nobody else knows about. That conviction of a specific sin, when it comes to our, uh, when we realize we have sinned in a specific way, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that is God's grace to us. He wants us to see any sin in our lives because sin uh, deceives us. If we're living in sin and walking in sin, we don't know it. We're deceived unless the Holy Spirit shows that to us. But the sin blinds us. The longer we choose to walk in rebellion from God, we become blind to the things of God. And that path of walking down sin's path in Adam's path, that always leads to destruction. So it's God's grace when we are aware of a specific sin that we have done. It's God's grace for him to show us. And all we have to do in 1 John 1, 9, it says we go to God and we confess our sins to God. We say, God, I know I had a rotten attitude this morning. And I know that offends you and I'm sorry, God. We confess our sins to God and he says he is faithful and he is just And he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, not because of anything we've done, not because we've earned his forgiveness, because solely because it's a gift of grace because of Jesus and the blood he shed when he took our sins upon him. But there is a time that we might feel condemned and guilty, and it's not from the Holy Spirit. It's from Satan. You know, Revelation 12.10 says that Satan accuses us before God day and night. Like, that's his job. He wants to accuse us. And I feel like I can tell the difference between Satan's accusations and the Holy Spirit. As I said, the Holy Spirit puts his finger on a specific sin. But when Satan accuses me, it's more of a general attack on my character. It's like, oh, Barb, I can't believe you did that. You're never going to be able to live up to what God expects you to do. Or you're never going to be a good enough mom. Your kids are going to be such a mess. Just real condemning thoughts of my character. That kind of slanderous talk, that negative self-talk, that is condemnation that God doesn't want us to have. That is from Satan. 
see John 3:16 and 17. We've known 3:16 probably since we were young. For God so loved the world, God so loved you that he gave his only son so that for all of us who have believed in him, we believe Jesus is who he says he is. We put our faith in him. We will never die. We will never perish. We will have life now and for eternity living in him. For God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. Don't you love that? That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come to make us feel bad about our sin. He came for sinners. If you're not a sinner, he didn't come for you, okay? He came for sinners. He knows what we're like. He knows how we fail. He knows how weak we are. And yet he came to save us because of his great love for us. So, the first part of the book, no condemnation. Just to grab a hold of that, I, realize, I remember when I feel like I finally, that started transforming the way I think about myself. Just some, such freedom from worrying about not just what God thinks about me, but what other people think about me as well. So then in the middle of this passage of chapter 8, oh my goodness, it's so full of God explaining to us this battle that goes on in us between the Holy Spirit and our flesh and how God wants us to win that battle and how he's there to help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in a way that pleases him. God looks at us as his children, so he has great compassion for us. Yeah, and, um, and he and God wants to help us. This section of scripture is full of hope. It talks about the sufferings of this time are not going to matter. They're going to look like nothing once we step into heaven and all that he has for us. So again, that part of this chapter is incredibly rich. And um, I have to skip through it just for time's sake. Um, it could be another lesson. But I really hope what it is is that you take time to dig into Romans 8 for yourself and just make a list of all God has for us, all he wants to give us in this. So to help us see life as he does, there are many scriptures in this passage like this one. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Since he didn't spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also freely give us all things? You see, um, it might seem like a lot is against us lately. And if we can just look at it and say, it doesn't matter. If God is for me, who can be against me, right? That's the way God wants us to look at life because this is what he's doing. He tells us in Romans 8:28, this is what he's doing right now. It says, we know that God causes everything to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. Now notice it does not say that everything is good. We don't have to live in denial when we are hurting, when we're stressed, frustrated, um, confused, when we're doubting God. We don't have to deny that. He knows life is hard. But his promise here is that he takes all things, that means everything without exception, all the good things in our life, all the bad things in our life, he takes those and he works them together. Behind the scenes, we're usually not at all aware of what he's doing, but he's working together the good and the bad and the ugly in our lives 
to produce something good for us, something eternally good for us. You know, there have been times when I didn't like this verse, uh, when I'm in something really hard and I'm thinking, how can this work out for good? I couldn't see it at all. And I guess that's one benefit of getting older. I can look back now and say, oh, now I get a glimpse, God. I can see a little bit of what you're doing and how you did take that awful time in my life. And you did turn around it, turn it around for good. So it takes faith to believe that. When we're in the negative situation, when we're in the chaos and the uncertainty, we just have to have faith. This is what God is doing. And we can't see it yet, but someday we will. He is working for our good and for his glory. Um, when we look at all the problems around us, uh, lately I often am saying, okay, this looks like a problem to me. It is a problem. But to God, it's not a problem. Remember, God has no problems. God only has plans. This time of our life, which is so unusual, so unpredicted, so unpredictable, this time of our life um, is not a problem to God. It is part of his plan. So that's a quick skip through the middle part of Romans 8. And at the end, just to um, focus now on God saying, nothing can ever separate us from his love. Nothing. I just want to read the scripture passage to you. It says, can anything, anything ever separate us from his love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity? Let me stop right there because I know sometimes it might feel like he doesn't love us. But we need to not base our perception of God on our feelings. But let the truth of who God is influence and direct our emotions. So even if we have trouble or calamity, he says, I still love you. He says, even when we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. You know, we don't have to live with those concerns at this moment in the U.S. We have brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who this is part of their daily experience, who live in very persecuted countries. But I'm sure that God's love is just as real to them. And the reason I know that is because when Paul wrote these incredible scriptures full of assurance of his love, when Paul was writing this, he was living under a very oppressive and evil government. And so it's important for us to remember that um, when the New Testament was written, it was a government that was being really trying to get rid of Christians and a lot of persecution. And these promises applied to them in that extreme um, hardship. That's why Paul says, as the scriptures say, for your sake we're being killed every day, we're being slaughtered like sheep. Paul was seeing that happen to his brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he says, but despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ, despite how bad it is. Paul knew victory is coming. We're going to step into an eternal victory. And so then he goes on to say, I'm convinced. It means I have no doubt. I'm convinced that nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. 
Neither death or life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. That's a great promise. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you're thinking, God, do you really love me? He's saying, look at Jesus. God revealed his love to us through Jesus. So the main points I wanted to bring out today is for you to see yourself the way God does, with no condemnation and no separation from his love. And I hope that every morning this week you'll get up and once you start the day you say, hey God, I know today no matter when I mess up, (laughs) you're still going to love me. You don't look at me with disapproval and condemnation because I'm your child. And you go to bed at the end of the day and you might be able to look back and go, oh man, I really messed up God. And he's going to say, but I love you. You're my child. Nothing, no trouble, no stress can separate you from my love. Because, not again because we're so wonderful, because we're working hard to please him. That's not what it's based on. It's fully based on the fact that we are in Christ Jesus. We are following him. We're in line behind him. So when God looks at us, He sees Jesus. Just keep focusing on God's love. When you're feeling stressed, remember in 1 John 4, 9, it says this is how God showed us. He loved us. He sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. And that word live is an active present tense, okay? It's like now, today, we can experience life in fresh and special ways, like an abundant life in the midst of chaos, a joy That's hard to explain. A peace that passes understanding. That's a life he wants for us. And to look forward. Always we have something to look forward to. This is just a blip in time compared to eternity. And when we get to eternity, that's when we'll really experience um, incredible joy. Pleasures at his right hand. And um, that's where we're all headed. So while we're here in this place, Uh, If your faith is struggling, just remember that faith is simply trusting the character of God, even when life gives us reasons not to, okay? Keep our focus on the character of God. When we don't understand what he's doing or wonder why he's not doing what we think he should, keep our focus on his character, that he loves us. And as you'll see in Romans 8, he has so much he wants us to experience, not just to know about. The Bible is not just his word to us to accumulate knowledge, but words that he wants to get into our heart to transform us, to change the way we look at life, the way we see him. And to see his perspective on life really gives us the strength to keep moving forward. So no matter what, no matter what you face um, this week, no matter what we as HCC face in the upcoming months, um, who knows what life is going to look like six months or a year from now. But one thing I am convinced on, 
at some point we're going to be able to look back on this really difficult time and say, oh God, now I see some of the good you were doing during that time. Uh, don't you look forward to seeing that? We don't know what God is doing, but I, I do pray that he is revealing himself to each of us in new ways, that hard times are a time for us to take what we know about God and now let that become our daily experience as we walk with him through cloudy and dark times. Let me pray. Father God, when we come to you, we come to a God that we know we cannot fully grasp. To understand how you could love us, people who um, born in sin, who lived in rebellion towards you, um, you loved us so much that you sent your son to take our place, to pay for our sin, so that someday when we all stand before you, that sin is covered. We will not have to pay for our sin because we're in Jesus. And then just to know that when you look at us today, you don't condemn us for what we're doing or what we're not doing because we're in Christ and we are your children. You love us. And so I just thank you, God. I thank you for giving us your word and for the way you use it to speak life and hope into us. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who you've given us to convict us of sin so that we don't blindly stumble down the path of destruction. Keep pulling us back to you. And God, I thank you for the hope of these words that you've given us today. The hope that you are at work in everything to bring about something good and beautiful in our lives. And we look forward to seeing that, God. Thank you for being the God who gives us overwhelming victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, Father, especially for those who are moms today, for the unique um, struggles and pains they have in their heart, Lord, would you just give them a hug today? Would they just experience your love in a fresh way? that they might know that you are the God who comforts them. You are the God who says to them, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Thank you, God. Thank you, the God that walks with us through trials and extends to us his love and comfort and help every day. We give you great praise, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.